0: Hey, this is Sean Grant, and you're listening to Banding with Hamzy. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to our very first podcast of Banding. Uh, in this episode, I sit down with awesome music producer Joe Richmond. You probably recognize his name. Uh, he was the drummer producer in the band Churchill, and now he just kills it all around with everything because he's a badass ass mother but seriously Joe is straight up the real deal he's probably the most genuine dude I've ever met in the music business and for that matter in life he's kind, caring, and it really makes sense for what he does and so I wanted to get his backstory about how he became a producer how he got into music um, his previous band Churchill um, so we sat down over a six-pack of beer, and he told me his story. So let's get to it. So thanks for doing this once again, Joe. Yeah. Um So I wanted to start with just some storytelling. So... I know you, but I don't know like your backstory, so okay, can you tell me how you got into music and and how that kind of led to you being a producer? yeah, um,
1: I actually feel like I got um a late start on music. I wasn't really into music growing up, like my parents only had like two records in the house, and it was just kind of like that was all it wasn't really it wasn't a musical family growing up, so it was yes. just like. Late high school, I started playing, and then decided somehow. I think I was like uh, playing at churches and stuff, and uh, doing sound at churches, and decided I wanted to do that for a living. Uh, I had no experience with it. Had no. (laughs) How would you get into doing sound? Uh, I guess what was that? So my dad actually was the sound guy at the church I grew up in. He knew nothing about any of that stuff. He's tone deaf. He's like not at all a (laughs) musical guy. Just was like helping out, yeah. Uh, and so I would be back there, just kind of like hanging out with him while he was like doing sound, yeah, uh, at the church. So uh, ended up getting into that. Um, started hanging out with um, some guys I knew at like a church plant. It was like the the new like young hip church. Uh, so like in high late late high school, um, started hanging out with them and doing sound there. Um, and then basically just like Googled tech you know, like music tech school, (laughs) like had no idea, had no previous knowledge of anything like that, uh, and found Full Sail, which is the big, you know, university down in university, air quotes, uh, (laughs) in, in Orlando. Um, so I moved down there and I went to school down there for music production. Uh, and then when I came back, I ended up working with kind of some local bands in town. And for some reason I decided to come back to denver instead of go to like la or new york it's like all the other kids there were split you know go la and new york and everything yeah um so ended up back in denver just working kind of for local bands um and then ended up just kind of luckily working with a band that that took off on the on the radio and started touring with them and i kind of didn't realize it but, like before I knew it, I was like, "Oh well, I guess this is what I do now. <laughs> it's like I never really looked at like I tried to work at big studios and stuff and would give applications and one thing about Denver is there's a music school here in Denver, so like if i'm when I'm going around to to studios and stuff, me coming from Florida, it's like they didn't really they just wanted to hire kids from yeah. Denver, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess I mean there's and there's a lot of things in between all yeah, of that. Yeah, That's yeah. like the cliff note small <laughs> version. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just I kind of just followed. I I wasn't really I can't ever re- really remember thinking there was anything else I w- like definitively wanted to do. You know, like it just, just
0: it was just always some, I just, yeah, I was just something. Yeah, like, something involved with music.
1: Yeah, and I don't know why I wasn't really die hard into it you know i had some friends that were just like you know from when they were 13 years old like all they wanted to do is play music and i was like "Mm." (laughs) i didn't really care care about (laughs) yeah i didn't really care about
0: it i liked the technical side more yeah like the recording and so was that is that because you started so did you start playing an instrument before you started engineering at the church or were you
2: um
0: yeah it It was it was kind of around
1: the same time but um yeah i started playing guitar first um just to pick up chicks in high school. <laughs> <It's> like, there's <laughs> Like, no... we all do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I started doing that. And then, um, I guess kind of around the same time, I started playing in the, like, band at church and, like, kind of running sound and helping okay. out with that stuff. So it stuff, was, like,
0: so. on a parallel Yeah, it was kind of at the other. same time, yeah. Um,
1: but, yeah, for some reason, I just kind of, like... I don't know why. It was, like, when I picked up that guitar, but it was, you know, like, late high school. I just... I remember my mom still tells me to the stage. She's like, "You never put that stupid thing down." <laughs> it's like I was glued
0: to it for some reason. I don't know how that goes. So you said you went to school, but like, when did you decide, or like, I didn't even really know what a producer was until like, like after I went to college. Like really, like yeah. what a producer does on a record. Like, when did you find out that there was producers and that you wanted to be a producer?
1: Yeah, so when I went to school, I went to school to be an engineer, just like an audio engineer. Um, there, was, there was parts of the, the school that would like talked about producing and stuff, but not, nothing really like real life. This is what a producer does, and this is what you need, or whatever. Um, it probably wasn't until um, there was a band I was working with, Meese, um, when I came back from college. And they signed a record deal. Uh, went out to LA, excuse me. Went out to LA to uh, record a record, and they brought me out there with them just to like help out and be there for technical stuff. Or I was just kind of like, I always felt kind of like the little brother in that band. <laughs> you know, they all were doing their thing, and I was just kind of like along for the ride. Like
2: a fly on the wall. Yeah, thing.
1: yeah. But I helped out and stuff. <clears throat> yeah. Like, I started tuning guitars with them, which is you know. I don't know how much you really need that early on, but they just liked having me. <laughs> so you out. were
0: like their their tech kind yeah, of. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's that's a, a definitely a good way to get your foot in the door. I mean, I've I've done that. So yeah, it's like it's just kind of, I I
1: liked what they were doing as a band and I saw potential and so I was like, whatever you need me to do, you know. And early on, they're like, I don't know, tune this guitar, uh, okay, <laughs> drive the van. I don't know. Um, so when we went out to L.A. for them to make their record. I was just like a fly on the wall during that process, like in a big studio with a big producer and like saw all the steps of that and everything that went along with it. And it was really cool because I wasn't really like, I wasn't there to do a really specific intensive job. So I could just like watch and just absorb. It. Yeah. And just like, and not even really ask questions, just like hang out in the studio and like mental note everything. Yeah.
0: It's like, oh, that, that
1: um kind so of, that's what I it really was about. kind
0: of like building the framework yeah for, and i still
1: i mean i still do things that i learned from that first producer to this day you know it's, it was kind of like started to build my repertoire of like how i produced and how i work with artists and
0: so you kind of learned the old school way just being around yeah <laughs> it's like yeah i think so i mean nowadays you, you you have to pay for like an internship in a studio right and old school you know it was like you started as like a intern and then a runner and then uh, an assistant to the engineer or whatever and and then you just worked your way up the chain so you kind of got to see the old school way as it was kind of going out at the time was it was cool
1: yeah it was cool because it was like a you know a big studio it was like the it was Dave Grohl's like studio out in LA or the the Foo Fighter studio was Um,
0: it was Dave Grohl the producer
1: no no it was uh Sean Bevan is his name
0: Okay.
1: Uh, he's done a bunch of stuff. Like he did all the early, and I'm laughing because like he did all the early like Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails and oh, stuff, that's right. which couldn't be much like like that is so different than the band Meese that he was producing. <laughs> it was, like, shocking that yeah. they chose him. But it was, but he was great. He like the record is great, and uh, I really loved what we did. And I'm still friends with him to this day. And you is know, he is stuff. he
0: the guy who mixed the change song? Mm-hmm,
1: yeah. Um, which was like the the most friends and family discount ever. <laughs> like, I was just like, I don't know, we have no money. Um, but yeah, so like I I learned a ton from him, uh, and just like being in the studio with a producer on a major label, you know, record. You get to see
0: how it's really done, and not not like basement. Yeah. Craigslist producer type yeah thing.
1: totally and i actually like i went from i was the basement craigslist <laughs> producer to being in that environment was just like whoa this is what actually
0: making excuse me this is what actually making records is all about you know? yeah so so is that experience is kind of what made you want to be a producer yeah i guess or like you had never really thought about i'd it? never really thought about it i didn't like i
1: when i went to school i'm like okay an engineer you know it's like the band comes in I always just kind of thought the band came in, the engineer like helped you with how the record sounded and everything. But really, the band is like the creative driving force behind it. Yeah. Uh, which it is for the most part. But uh, I learned in that, in those sessions, that like what a good producer can can take a song from one thing to a to a whole another level. You know, yeah. just like more. There's just a lot of things you can do when you tr- when the band trusts a producer yeah you know i'd never seen a band just like whatever this guy said and he's not even in the band yeah they either tried or
0: did or you know so what would you say a good producer does um i, I think <laughs> i think a good producer
1: um facilitates the the music that is brought to him or her um and tries to take it from where it is to where the band ultimately wants it to be, because I think most of the time when someone writes a song, it's it's always like, at least from what I've what I can tell, is that someone writes a song and they like how it sounds. Is that still
2: going? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like,
0: keep, keep, keep going.
1: Um. Yeah, they like how it sounds, but they also hear it in their head in the way they want it, like where they want it to end up, you know. Yeah. And they just need somebody that knows how to get it to that point. You know, whether it be they want it on the radio or they want it in a TV show or film or something like that, Um, there's some, you know, kind of some certain things that you need to do that a lot of people, when they write the song, they don't know. So I think it's being a producer is knowing where the song wants to go or where everyone wants to go with it and just knowing how to get there.
0: Yeah. Kind of having that objective ear. Yeah, I mean it, de-
1: it. It definitely helps not like being the one person that's like not in the band. Um, yeah, I just I just think being an outsider, somebody that's outside of the band, having a perspective that's not quite like just when you're in the when you're in the band, you write the song, you're so close to it at like when it's being created. Totally. That sometimes you 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 have a hard time letting go of some of the things that maybe aren't necessarily helping the song yeah you know it's like sometimes you're like i just i created that so i feel like i can't let go of it you know even if it's not i totally Mm
0: -hmm. understand i mean you've been our producer and there's been some like guitar riffs or something where you're like (laughs) i don't think that totally (laughs) helps the song and and i'm i'm like ah well you know but it's later you realize like oh yeah that was totally that's is a way better song without that blazing guitar riff yeah. there. Or
1: well, I mean, I think it all depends too on like where you want to go with the song. You know, like yeah. I I always believe that you can take any song in in a bunch of different directions. I think as a producer, your job is to nail down what the band wants out of the song, yeah. and then how to get that out of it. You know, because um, if the band doesn't know what they want to do with it, it's like I don't know. I just like the song. Yeah. This is how we play it. Okay. Yeah. Then that, Then you're more of an engineer. You just kind of hit record and you let it go. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think figuring out what you want out of it and having that specific vision is what I think of good producers know how to get that out of
0: the band and know how to get that yeah. out of the song. So kind of figuring out the actual picture of what the band wants plus um, what the songs need.
1: Yeah. Because, I mean, ultimately, the band is your client. Like, yeah. I can't, I'm not making my, I'm not making my record, you know, I'm making the band's record, but I want to, I just want to help, you know, kind of polish and get everything out of the, the songs and the performances that I
0: can. Would you say that's true with like, like bigger, like huge producers, or are they more on the label side than on the band side?
1: Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. So the few, uh, producers that I've worked with that are on that work with like major label artists, and that's mainly their clients. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think you kind of have to toe the line of like, you know, the label's paying you. I mean, the band is essentially paying you, <laughs>
0: but yeah, you
1: invoicing the label, uh, and they have strong opinions. And then, but you're in the room creating, like making music with the band. So you ha- you kind of have to. You gotta have to toe the line. That's what the hardest yeah. part about it being a producer is like, and also your own opinion, because yeah. your own opinion might not even be the same as either one of those. Yeah. So you're you're kind of dealing with, and if it's a band of five people and those five people have equal, an equal voice in the band, then you know you're talking about ten different people. You yeah. gotta <laughs> you gotta like please. You know, it's like okay, well, the bass player's gotta be happy. The A and R guys gotta be happy. I got to be happy and comfortable of what I'm doing creatively. Yeah. So, yeah, it is it is definitely um, Sean, that first uh, kind of major label producer that I worked with. Um, I just heard a lot of people talk about him as, like, he's a great producer because he's basically, like, a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, he's really good with people. It's, yeah. like, has less to do with his instincts musically, but more how to how to, like, toe the line between all these personalities
0: yeah. and all these opinions. I would imagine that's probably the most important part about being a producer is, is reading the um, the emotion of what's going on in the room at the time and then reading the emotions of the songs, right? I mean, because <clears throat> you're going for, like, a feeling, right? So, I mean, I feel like all the... Like Rick Rubin, for instance, he's not, like, a technically gifted producer in terms of like engineering or anything but he does something right and that's just he i think reads you know he's basically a therapist and yeah i mean and, and knows how to get the best out of a person
1: yeah and dealing with people i think is a big part of it and then also i do think that having musical instincts helps a lot because it's like cuz really as a producer you're getting paid for your opinion yeah, you know, so it's like if you don't, if your opinion is, has proven to have worked in the past for, for bands trying to get from A to B, then that's that's how you get more people to call you to get from A to B. So having those instincts and and I think being confident and like owning your like, this is how it should be. Yeah, like trust me, this is how it should be.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay. So that's kind of how you. Got into producing and just and so it sounds like you kind of just it just kind of happened naturally. It wasn't like a conscious choice like I want to be a producer. Yeah, no, I I
1: wanted to be an engineer and play music, which I'm you know I'm still doing that. But and those are the things I have to make like a conscious effort to do. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it came about um, the band I was in for a long time. I just ended up producing all of it kind of at a chance. Like it wasn't like it wasn't like when I started with the bands like
0: I'm gonna be the producer. Is that Churchill?
1: Yeah. With uh yeah, so with Churchill it was I had worked with the the lead singer. So I'd worked with the lead singer on a solo project. Um, he was living in Nashville at the time. And he moved out to Denver and was like, Hey I'm gonna you know, start doing music. I'd love for you to like record my new band And his new band was like bluegrass, acoustic guitar, and mandolin. And I was like, you really need drums on this thing. So can I play the drums on it? Um, So I just kind of fell into that. And how I ended up producing the records was um, I was working at the time managing a recording studio for another band in in Denver, The Fray. They had like a studio that they would do pre-production and writing and all that stuff. And I was managing the studio for them, like mostly technical work. Um, but it but, was
0: that was like a full on recording studio. Oh yeah, they was
1: yeah, They were like they were using their like recording budgets to buy gear every like album cycle. So they had like a legit really nice studio, like you know, high end studio that they would do pre production and writing on. Just and for so.
0: their like private
1: yeah. use. <laughs> yeah, that's like sick. huge console and tape machine and all that stuff. It was awesome. Um, and so, yeah, since I was kind of just running the studio for them, they would, you know, be working during the day, so like nine to five kind of thing. Uh, and then once they left, I called my band, Churchill, and was like, hey, guys, come up here. We can record for free. So it was really out of I mean, the real reason why I started producing that band is we didn't have any money yeah. to, like, go, to go anywhere else. Like or, most fans. Yeah. Right? So it's like because we couldn't pay anyone else to do it. I was like, well, I'm working at this studio and it's basically free studio time. Yeah. And because I was the only one that knew how to run anything in there, I just kind of ended up, you know, producing. Yeah. It and I is- like it, it was just kind of like over time, people got more and more comfortable with my musical instincts, not just my like technical savvy of the studio. You know, it was just like, oh, what if you tried this different part or this different part? And so it went from just being an engineer and being. And, like, facilitating the technical side of it. Yeah. To, like, starting to have input on other people's parts musically. So, and it just, it fit and people, everyone in the band was, seemed comfortable with it. And so, I just kind of, was like, oh, they like my opinion, so I'll just keep giving it. (laughs) So, I I think that's just
0: kind of, I was like, oh, that's what a producer does. You just kind of, like, you just kind of put what you think is. The direction of the song out there. And yeah, it's and, you, and it's like, I think I,
1: you hear it in a certain way. Yeah. And you're like, I think this is how I think it should be. Are you, and then, I mean, you know, are you cool with it as the band? Yeah. <laughs> like, is this the so vision?
0: you kind of got like a more organic way of doing it. Instead of having like that initial pressure of like, we're paying you. Yeah. What's your opinion? It was more of just like, you slowly were like yeah. sliding your ideas. It was
1: a really safe mm-hmm. place to like learn how to give my musical opinion to other musicians that were actually better than me at what I was asking them to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like because they weren't paying me, it was like, <laughs> great, if you don't like my opinion, then and get out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like you're not even you're not even paying. Um uh, so yeah, it was a really safe space to kind of like learn how to do that. That's so cool.
0: So I guess that that brings me to my next question. Was Churchill your first band that you ever produced or was there bands before that that you produced? There was
1: a few bands before that that I produced, mostly um, like singer-songwriters. So like the lead singer for Churchill, before um, it was Churchill, he was living in Nashville, and he came out to Denver for a week, and I like produced and recorded his record. Um, So how did you know him? uh, I actually kind of grew up not grew up with him, but like um, a real good friend of mine growing up that we were like doing music at the church stuff was really good friends with Tim, the singer. And so, and he was younger and he would always kind of be like, Hey, my buddy Tim like plays and writes songs and stuff. You should check it out and would play me stuff. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I didn't, you know, I didn't really think too much about it or care that much about it early on. Um, Yeah. So years later, um, he, yeah, he was living in Nashville and I was in Denver and he just hit me up basically because this buddy of mine that I grew up with had kind of recommended, you know, he's like, Joe works at a studio now and like records stuff. You should come out and record with him. And so we did that for a week. Uh, and then there was another singer songwriter guy that I'd played in different churches and stuff with that I did uh, a record with kind of like hodgepodge in different studios and basements and all of that stuff. Um, But I really hadn't done a lot. You know, I'd done just a few bands. But I was actually, during the when I was working with Mies, I was on the road a lot and, like, teching and doing sound and all of that stuff. So I was kind of splitting my time between, like, producing and, like, traveling and doing in front of house and stuff.
0: Jack of all trades, you were in the the studio life and the touring
1: yeah i think like,
0: it was i think it was one of those that like the touring thing um
1: it was great it was a lot of fun They were like my you know me guys were like my best friends and it was you know it was like summer vacation all the time you know <laughs> it's like when you're on tour with your friends it's the best you know and i'm like I was in my early 20s and uh was recently divorced so it was like pfft. i wasn't you know kind of like living wherever like like yeah. sleeping on couches <laughs> and stuff um So I didn't have a lot of resources to be like making records with bands. Um, So I just kind of stuck with them. And then when that band broke up, it was like, okay, now I got to figure out kind of my next move. Um, So yeah, so when I was home, I would just work on trying to produce records. Uh, Honestly, a lot of them, people just came to me and asked me. I was like, oh, you know how to do this. Do you want to... So it was less producing and more engineering. Yeah. And I was like, can you just hit record on this thing while I, yeah. <laughs>
0: while I play? And kind of like, were you like filling in here and there, like producing it, like engineer producing, as they would call yeah, it? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always done all of my own engineering. I, I honestly can't, I don't know what that would be like to have like, someone else engineer and you're just the like, Rick Rubin <laughs> sitting in the back. just you're just like, meditating nope. in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know what that would be like. Um so I've always just I think and mostly out of necessity, you know, because yeah. uh, it's like I don't have. I'm working with bands that don't have the money to go to a big studio. One, um, I don't, you know, like my little setup at either at my house or wherever is like modest. And I mean, the the first Churchill record that we made was we I made it with one microphone and a laptop because <laughs> it was in, in like the kitchen in the <laughs> place that we were staying at because it was like. That's all we could do, you know. That's rad.
0: That's that's like a real rock and roll <laughs> record making right there.
1: Yeah, I was like, well, it's, it, we're literally it's like in our band house that we all we all lived in. It's a very like Fleetwood Mac incestuous type so of situation. <laughs> how, how did
0: that come about? Like living with all of your bandmates.
1: Well, I you know it was so rewinding a bit. Um, so I got married right before I went to college. I left that out of the Cliff Notes version.
0: <laughs> but I well, was, you got like, married and then left. For I school. got
1: ma- I got married when I was nineteen, Damn. and a week later moved with my new wife to Orlando to where you didn't know anybody to go to school. So after school came back, was working with the with niece, making like nothing because they you know it was early on for them. They pay me like I don't even know. 50 bucks a show or something like that. It's like, I can't make a living off of that. Um, and so kind of through all of that time and kind of in the middle of the Mies days, I got divorced. Um, and then, so once the Mies, uh, once Mies kind of split up and I'm like divorced, broke, living on couches, like, I mean, that's, that's kind of part of the reason why I went on tour with them because it was just like, well, I don't have anywhere else to go. <laughs> so it's like, well, I guess I'll just. Um, and so, yeah, after that, um, uh, met with Tim, the singer in Churchill, and he had moved out with uh, Mike Mortar, the mandolin player. And uh, they had a place together, and I kind of was staying with them a little bit. And it just was like got to a point where it was like, okay, well, how about four of us share this crappy apartment and pay nothing and just and just like hang out work at starbucks and like make music together yeah band house that sounds great i didn't go to a real college so band house it's like you know it's like a like a frat house or something you know yeah um yeah so that's how i ended up kind of living with and it was me the lead singer and then his good friend growing up uh dwight which was dating dwight was dating the other singer, Bethany, in the band. So it was like, and then Bethany okay. like lived two houses down. It was like very we all lived in the that's, same like block. Kinda. That's rad. So
0: was it just like twenty four seven music?
1: Yeah, pretty, I mean pretty much because we and uh, so all three of us that lived at the house worked at Starbucks a block away from the house. <laughs> um, so, and they were pretty cool with
0: just like hey we gotta go on tour bye. <laughs> like, I was just gonna, gonna ask like what tour, happened yeah. was like you have a show and the whole staff puts in (laughs) for that night out yeah i mean they did
1: i think they were a little weary of like (laughs) wait you're both in the same band i don't know but yeah so we were working there um yeah and just like living a block away and it was over in like north city park which is a few blocks away from my favorite venue of all time the bluebird theater so it's like we were just there we were just like basically just be going to shows, playing shows, rehearsing or partying at the house, you know, or like and then and like bringing other bands and stuff too. So was this
0: like before Denver was like booming? Well, like was rent still affordable, I guess is what I'm trying yeah,
1: to say. Yeah. Oh, I mean, so yeah, we paid like I mean, I think I paid 300 bucks a month or something. Damn,
0: cuz right and right I over and, I, now, li- and we- I
1: lived in the I lived in the basement, which wasn't even really a room. It was just like a, it was a giant kind of unfinished. It was like the size of the upstairs, all just one room with like a utility sink and a washer and dryer in it. And I was like, well, I'll just live down there and just basically set up a studio and That's rad. and then just put my mattress on the floor. <laughs> it was like yeah, all right. So we like rehearsed down there. We recorded down there. We did, and I slept down there sometimes. So <laughs> it was the uh, yeah. It was it was very it, yeah. And it was like yeah, three hundred bucks a month or something like that. Um, yeah. So it was it was affordable. Um, and actually, we were in a duplex, and the back of the duplex was Pat and Nate Meese and <laughs> Pat's wife. Uh, Tiffany at the time, so it was like literally the Mises in the back and Churchill in the front <laughs> of this duplex, like uh, two blocks away from the Bluebird. Yeah, that's so. Right. And uh, we yeah, we were there for a few years um, while the band was kind of taking off. Um, yeah, just doing kind of like the band house thing.
0: That's, <laughs> that's so I wish more bands did that. I wish my band did
1: that. Um, Wilderness is kind of like that. They're like. Well, I guess the two of the guys live in the they live in the house that I just went to last night to like for a rehearsal or whatever. Two of the guys live there and they like rehearse in the basement and I'm just like, oh man. <laughs> like brings back memories. <laughs> <It's Whoa>. Flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. I've had it cushy for too long. I'm like, <laughs> I forget what it's like to like, you know, hustle in a band and like work at Starbucks and all live in the same house and like Yeah. Live off of nothing just to try to
0: Just to see if the band... Yeah, just to to, like
1: make it it go, you know? Because you kind of have to... Being in a band is like you kind of have to... I feel like it's like an all or nothing, you know? It's like bands don't do well if you're just like, well, sometimes we'll just kind of play, I don't
0: know. Yeah. You kind of have to be all in
1: (laughs) if you want it to work, you know?
0: So being a musician, producer, engineer, do you find it hard to stay inspired? Musically, I, I know I've I've hung out with you a couple times, and you're like, I, I don't even listen to music that much anymore.
1: <laughs> I, that's definitely a thing I say to
0: everyone. It's kind of a joke, <laughs> but also kind
1: of true. Like it's, I find myself because I play right now. I'm playing with like two different bands, um, producing a handful, um, running sound for another handful. I mean, you know, you're looking like. 10 bands or something like that. Um, and it just, I I just always have all of these songs just swirling around in my head all the time. It's just like these different different songs from different bands will just be like popping. In my Like I'll wake up every morning with a different song stuck <laughs> in my head with like a different band. Um, and because most of my work is like working with these bands and their songs, it's hard for me to just like disconnect from that and listen to music just to listen to it, you yeah. know? As a as an engineer, I'm like, criti- when I listen to music, a lot of times I'm critical. I'm just like, yeah. oh, that snare sound is weird. Or, you know, like yeah. very specific things. As a producer, I'm just like, why would they do that yeah. in the, in the <laughs> song, you know? Like, that's weird. Um, you know, as a musician, I'm just like, why are they playing that? I'm just like very critical of it. Yeah. Um, because that's most of my job is... Yeah. As a producer being critical, as an engineer being critical of how things sound, and as a musician being critical of, like, the parts that I'm playing for these songs. So, because that's just, I do that most of the time, it's really hard for me to disconnect and just, like, listen for fun. Yeah. You know?
0: I listen to, like, talk radio most of the time.
1: Yeah. because <laughs> it's, like, my, not
0: music. My uncle's in, the in, like, the movie business, and I was talking to him one time, and, and he told me... um kind of a similar story said a lot of directors will they won't watch tv or movies they just like will watch documentaries or something that's yeah. so so dist- so different yeah. from what they do day in day out that yeah. you know just i i get it well i'm like i'm huge into films and tv
1: and stuff so like that's like Films and TV and all that stuff, I'll just be, I'm in, you know? Like, a minute into it, I'm like, I'm hooked. I live in this world now. I'm like, I believe it. You know, no no matter how... That's how I kind of, like, can disconnect from things. Because I know
0: a lot of people, music is like they're just put on their headphones and just, like, go to a different place. Totally. So TV and film is kind of like how music was prior to being an engineer, producer, musician. Because I know as a musician um how that is like you listen to something and instead of listening to the song you're just being critical of what's going on mm.
1: yeah and i do that with like all different kind of aspects of it you know it's yes. like how it sounds how it's <laughs> excuse me how it sounds how it's produced how it's played all yeah. of that stuff so i have a hard time yeah disconnecting from that stuff but even before i started producing music wasn't really an escape for me it was just ne- it was never really I just never really thought too much about it. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't know.
0: That's right. It seems like you have, it's always been like really natural. And a lot of people, they like, it just, they have to really focus. And it's like come natural, which I think is the better approach to music. Yeah. Cause don't you know. don't, you probably don't overthink anything. You just let things happen. <laughs> yeah.
1: I am very much like a go with my gut instinct and like, yeah, this feels great. Let's do that. That sounds great. Let's do that. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm quick to just be like, yeah, this is done. I don't need to like, I've heard a lot of music that just sounds overcooked, yeah. <laughs> like overdone. You know, it's just like, it sounds like people are thinking really hard about it or what they should do or what, you know. Yeah. I just like really natural, you know, just like, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I was like, I was never really analytical about it. You know, I'm just like, I like the way that sounds. Great. Yeah. done like I, that's kind of how my brain works
0: yeah that's the way it should be
1: well i don't know commit right? I, I think there well i think there's some people i think there's a definitely a valid um there's something valid about like people that will that are super nitpicky and will like make sure things are perfect because there's definitely you know there's records that i've made that i go back and listen like i wish i would have paid a little bit more attention to that <laughs> you know, it's like i wish i would have just fixed that one thing you know it's it's funny because it's kind of when you put out a record, it's that's what it is, and that's like a stamp of that time in your life and yeah. that time in your whatever you're doing. So all of the like little things that are maybe not perfect, I'm mostly okay with that stuff. But there's definitely sometimes like I wish I had a little bit more attention <laughs> to details on that one. And I and I'm con- I'm constantly learning, you know. Yeah. It's like you know what, just like go back and. Double check, you know, or like, yeah. make sure, or, like, go back and, like, pay a little bit more attention to this or that or yeah. what.
0: I mean, that's how you, you get better, though, right? Yeah. You just you just keep growing and evolving. And like you said, it's a stamp, so it's cool that you can look back and be, like, you can A, B your records from then and then your records now and Yeah, like, look at the improvement. Yeah.
1: You know? Oh, it's so, like, it reminds me of, I read this, uh, a review of a song that I did, um, and it was the... What did they say? Like the first line, basically, was like, "If if it wasn't for that guitar squeak at the beginning, this would be like a perfect pop song." <laughs> yes. Like if it wasn't for that one thing that I didn't quite <laughs> didn't quite pay attention to enough to. Um, but yeah, it's one of those. It's like, well, that's what it was at the time, and yeah, but yeah, learning from that. Yeah. So you you just you kind of I I like to keep that that same feeling of like go with my gut and like. Yeah, try not to overdo things, because that's just—I think that's just my style generally.
0: Well, it's definitely easy to overdo things, and I, I know as like being a musician, when uh, you know sometimes you you get to a spot with a song and you're like, now we're sure where to go with it, so then you just start throwing all this other stuff. On <laughs> Throw everything it, at it, yeah. Instead of like really taking a step back and and being like what does the song actually need? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think that's what I try to...
1: I try to have that thought kind of guide what I'm doing when I produce. It's like, what is this... What what helps the song? You know, like, what what helps the song be a better song instead of, like, taking away from it, you know? Yeah. It's like, there's some things that you add. It's like, oh, that could be really cool. Like, it sounds cool or whatever. But if it's taking away from the song, then it's... Yeah. Like I'm very much of song oriented. Like I don't get too much into like just out there crazy sounds and all of these things. <laughs> yeah. Like that's cool and there's people that do that really well. But I'm just like a song guy. <laughs> just yeah. always been a like and that's the one thing I can't do.
2: Yeah. So
0: how was the scene in Denver Churchill time? Like now it's it's totally different. I feel like, cause you, so when you came back from school, that was like 2008 or 2009, 10? Mm, that was 2000... You're like, what year is it? I think it was 2005. Woof. (laughs) (laughs) So like, when the fray had just like, blown up. Um... Yeah, so while, like,
1: before I went to college and, like, as I was in college and when I got back is when the fray really blew up. Um, I knew them from before I went to college, like, vaguely. I briefly knew them. Um, Because I was doing stuff with Patrick Meese, like, before he had the, the band and everything. He was just kind of, like, playing on his own. And he was good friends with those guys. Uh so I kind of knew them and had done some shows like guitar teching or whatever and just kind of have knew them. So they blew up while I was, you know, doing that. And when I got back, um Patrick had started a band, Mies, and it was doing well. So I started kind of helping out with them and stuff. Um and I remember at the at that time, um, like that that scene that they were in uh, the High Dive was like a big deal show. Like that was uh, that was like if you want to be a legitimate band in Denver, you like headline and sell out the High Dive. Yeah, um, it was. Um, yeah, that was like kind of the epitome of like Denver band selling that out. Um, Bluebird was a great venue. Not a lot of local bands are playing it um, just because it's a big. You know, it's like five. 150 people or something. Yeah. Um, but what would happen a lot is, like, we would do, like, opening slots at the Bluebird. So, like, you know, opening for, opening for like, national bands or, like, uh, you know, opening for other bands that we knew or whatever. So, like, opening at the Bluebird was another... Was it an AEG venue at the time? Um, I think... I think so. I'm not totally sure. I think it might have been, like... They just promoted there. They may not have owned it at the time. Um, But, yeah, Lost Lake wasn't a thing. Uh, I'm trying to think of the...
0: Was Larimer Lounge a thing?
1: Larimer Lounge was a thing, but it was about, like, half the size as it is now. Because they, like, kind of renovated it and made it... Now the stage is huge, too. Um, Yeah, it was, like, half the size. Didn't have a green room. It was, like... Yeah, but, I mean, it was a place. But, like, we... Um, we'd play there and make, like, 15 bucks, you know? It's, like... <laughs> that wasn't, like, necessarily... Like, the High Dive was more of, like, the spot to play, and that's, like, the people that we knew were all there and stuff, too. And at that time, Sputnik and High Dive had the same owners, and they just had a door in the middle that you just, like, walk back and forth and, like, you know, they give your drink tickets and stuff, you go over to Sputnik and get food, and it's, it was all one thing. Okay. So, um, and I think... Yeah, the, it was the same owners for a while, um, which I think, um, but really, like, the Bluebird and the High Dive and sometimes Laramie Lounge, but, like, those were the big places. Um, early on with Churchill, um, the Meadowlark was, like, the only place they would book us <laughs> to play, so it was, like, it started with, they had a really awesome open mic night, and so, um... Tim and Mike would go and do the open mic night. And uh, Jonathan Bits, that he now owns uh, Syntax, he was, like, booking at the Meadowlark, And he liked the band, and so booked us. They used to have, like, an outdoor stage out back um, that we played a couple times. And then would play, like, inside. But, like, that was, like, our place to play. Yeah. I remember thinking, just like, oh, man, if we could only just play the high dive. If they'd (laughs) only just, like, let us play there. Because it's, like, a... You know, it's a dive bar, and we're like, we're basically like a bluegrass band. Yeah. So it's like maybe
0: someday they'll let us play there. Uh, that's that's been a, a venue on my kind of bucket list to play. Nick, the bass player in Amzi in high school, his band played there. Yeah, and that was like 2006 ish. Yeah, and I remember being like, oh my god,
1: you never played the high dive? No,
0: oh. never. Right? It's I want it, I want to.
1: Well, it's well, it's interesting. I think why why like high dive comes to mind why i brought that up um i don't think it's the same anymore you know i don't i don't think it's as much of a like rite of passage place anymore you know i just there was a lot i mean there was less venues you know like summit music hall wasn't a thing yeah um lost lake wasn't a thing
0: and then in summit there's the moon room yeah so it's like, like all the smaller yeah
1: and like there just wasn't as many venues syntax wasn't a thing like So there was just these like, okay, you do high dive, you do Larimer, you do Bluebird. Yeah. Basically kind of was like the trajectory, you know. Um, Just now there's just so many different ways you could do that. You know, you can avoid some places or, you know, you you don't like necessarily have to.
0: Well, I I remember when we set out to like book our first show, my first pick was the high dive. And so I think I hit him up. And, you know, it was, like, you can get, like, a Wednesday night or something. Yeah. And then we hit up Moe's Barbecue off South Broadway right, next right. to the Gothic. Yeah. And got, like, a Friday night. So it was just, like, we went with the better date. Right, right. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, in early on for us, we would do, like, High Dive would be, like, we would open shows, you know, because it's, like, you know, obviously they wouldn't give us a <laughs> show. Like, who the hell are you? Um... But, yeah, so we would, like, open shows. So we would, like, our first EP release was we opened up for a national band that was coming through, and, like, those poor dudes, like, we, like, hustled to get people there, and so it was, like, packed, and then once we're done, everyone left, (laughs) and it was like, oh, great, this band hates us now. Um, But, you know, you do stuff like that, and then people notice, and yeah. so next time you get a headlining slot or whatever. Yeah. but yeah, I like didn't the Gothic really wasn't a as big of a of a venue, maybe as it is now, because I think it was, that was before A. G.
0: Yeah, it was I remember for a long time it was just independent. Yeah. So it would be like kind of random yeah. shows that would go through there.
1: Yeah, and like Marquee was always like a punk rock place, so it was like it makes no sense for us to play there. Yeah. Um until we were like headlining that size of places yeah um but yeah i think there's just a lot more steps you can do in, ter- as, in terms of what you can do with the band now it's like oh you start you know lost lake and you, there's a bunch of different places you can work your way yeah. up um at the time it just felt like there was only a few places we could play you yeah. know and larimer and high dive um walnut room was was there but before rhino blew up it was like middle of nowhere you know it's yeah. like no one's going down there it's like it's, it's <laughs> impossible it was hard enough when we first started doing stuff was to even get people to larimer lounge yeah at the time rhino was was five points where yeah. he still is and it was like nothing there Yeah. so that's part of it too is like those places down there now are, it's the hip part of town yeah now. it's a lot
0: easier to get people to come down to that area yeah. so because you got all your hip breweries and coffee shops and <laughs> yeah all that yeah, exactly. The hipsters moved in.
1: Yeah. But I mean I I think the places that were staples are still are, you know. Like Bluebird I think is still like the it's just a really solid like it's big enough to where, you know, bands can work up to headlining and you know, or or if you open there or if you put together like a good local show of a bunch of bands yeah. and stuff. It's like they've always been really cool about um Really cool about that. I mean, and that's where the UMS started even.
0: At the Bluebird? Yeah, it was
1: like five bands of one night or whatever. Oh, really? That's rad. Um, Yeah, and so they built it up to now it's a whole thing on South Broadway. But, yeah, yeah, so they've always been really good about, you know, having local bands come and play. Yeah,
0: that's rad. Yeah, the cool thing about the Bluebird is it's like small enough that you could probably sell it out if you work really hard Mm -hmm. and have the right bands on the bill. But it's, big enough and it's such an amazing venue like sound wise and everything that it like impresses yeah so it's just like all around just an amazing yeah
1: especially now that AEG bought it it's like sound systems they upgraded that they've upgraded a lot you know like when early on like before I went to college and all that stuff and you know Frey was kind of taking off and stuff um like shows of the bluebird were like not <laughs> like they are now you Yeah. Know? it's just kind of like a it was a little diveier of a place yeah. but
0: actually now that you say that i remember i think it was a junior in high school and me and my friend went to like a christmas show there it was called christmas from mars <laughs> and there was <laughs> there was a dude with like a kick drum and like the the like chimes between his legs oh yeah yeah and then like a really tiny guitar and like this crazy hat and then there was like people painting on like all along the walls, <laughs> and it was just like some weird, weird trippy acidy stuff. And we weren't twenty one, so we had to be in the balcony, but you could smoke in there. Oh man, yeah. And now thinking about that, you can't smoke in there. <laughs> no, yeah. you can't smoke anywhere. Um,
1: but yeah, I, I, it's interesting now, like being playing with a band that is kind of going through that whole process again. I have found myself like I don't even know anymore. Like the things I have did you know, years ago when I was starting out with the other band, like, are not, it's not the same anymore, you know, it's like.
0: Is that a bad thing or a good thing? No, I don't,
1: I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily, but I just think that, like, I don't know, before, in my brain, I just saw it, you know, with, like, Mies and Churchill and these other things, like, I saw it happen a certain way, so I'm like, well, okay, yeah, that's how it works, that's how you do it, you do this, X, Y, Z, you do that, you know, but now it's just like, this is all different because I think, There's so many more venues. There's so many more, like, ownership has changed, and it's all, the relationships are all different. Um, And the, you know, people booking, like, the High Dive and Larimer and all that stuff are different, so it's just all, it's kind of a different vibe than it used to be. So I'm still kind of trying to navigate. Yeah, (laughs) I'm feeling like an old man in the music scene I'm, like, trying to navigate, like, oh, you don't do that anymore? Okay. (laughs) Who uh, who are you playing with now? Uh, I'm I'm playing with Brent Coles and the Still Tide. So the, it's, it's
0: Brent Coles. I always call um, him Cals. Yeah, it's Coles. Coles. Um, okay. But yeah, so I'm playing with them um,
1: mostly out of. I just started producing them, so that both of them have a record coming out in the next few months that I did this last year. And it kind of started with just me playing drums on their records, and then they're just kind of like, "This feels great. You want to play some shows?" I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so I've just tried. I've tried my best to. Um, even out my time between playing, running sound, like front of house and, uh, producing. Like I don't, I'm trying not to get like too far down one road. I'm trying to kind of even it out. Cause then that, you know, it gives me flexibility and I can do different things. Yeah. And, you know.
0: Life's more interesting that way too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, <clears throat> I travel
1: a lot more than if I was just Did, like, hanging you just out here go here. to
0: like, um, Where'd
1: you go? Like, uh, I went. I did a USO tour in the Middle East. I was, so. Yeah, I was gonna
0: say Dubai. Did
1: you go to Dubai? Didn't go to Dubai. Went to Djibouti though. Djibouti, <laughs> Djibouti. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was I was doing sound for uh, the American Authors, and that's like another one of my big. It's funny. It's like with all this band stuff and being in bands and recording and all this stuff. It's like this just big chunk right in the middle. It's just like, whoop, I just went on tour around the world with this band <laughs> doing sound. You know, just like a totally random, didn't produce them, didn't play with them at all, but it was all, it was just strictly running sound for them. So it's just kind of one of those, it's an anomaly. <laughs> like put it in the middle of this, all of this other stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's good. It's like, I get, I get to travel and, um, and it's just good because I can say yes to a lot of different things, yeah. you know?
0: and i'm sure that kind of keeps shaking things up so nothing gets too routine
1: yeah or i mean it's it's kind of nice too where you know i have i don't have any projects that i'm producing for like a month and a band calls me and is like hey you want to go play on this tour or do you want to go do sound on this tour or you know that's so right. i can say yes to to that stuff you know yeah and i just think in the music industry nowadays the more you can do the the better off you are or the, or the better chance you have of like having steady work you know I've seen a lot of guys like when you're on tour like um, teching on a tour or like I was doing front of house you're kind of at the whim of that one band in their tour schedule yeah. cause like let's say okay we tour for six months and then they're going to the studio to make their new record well you don't know when they're gonna go back on tour again yeah, so, so it's kind of like you're you're at the whim of this one you know so having different things to do, it's like, oh well, they're going to make a, a record, so I'll just go home and, you know, work in my studio and produce a band or go on tour with the band and play or yeah, you kind of open to more things that way.
0: Yeah, jack of all trades,
1: <laughs> master of none.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you were in Churchill. you guys were, you were like blowing up. You went on tour with Pink, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Can you go? in depth on you guys breaking up
1: yeah um so yeah i talked a little bit about you know early on uh with the band and kind of how it started and it was very much like a um grassroots kind of denver thing you know um and then we during that time that we were um that i was managing that recording studio and we were in the studio recording all the time uh we recorded we were like making a record Recorded a song that we, like, it's one of those, like, when you, I think there's songs that you make that instantly you're like, whoa, there's something different, you know, there's something different about this one. It, like, feels different. Um, So, yeah, we recorded a song called Change, and um, it really took off pretty quickly locally. Um, And then after that, it kind of took off quickly nationally, (laughs) so that was a pretty quick you know signed a record deal with a with a major label and uh and the pink thing is so funny they um our manager at the time was like a friend of ours and she we were on tour with uh, philip phillips i think like you remember that guy the american idol dude yeah he Um, had that
0: song in the like credit card commercial (laughs) or the insurance Yeah. yeah
1: yeah um and uh so we were on tour with him and our manager was like, So do you guys wanna go on tour with Pink in Europe for six weeks? I'm like Shut up. <laughs> it's like, not funny. And she's like, No, she saw your music video and called and wants to take you out on tour. It's like, um, okay. So
0: <laughs> You're like, Hell yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we went went on out on tour uh with Pink in Europe for six weeks and all sold out arenas and it was the craziest, you know. <laughs> Crazy, because we had just we had just done like a twelve week, um, run with or maybe it was six weeks or something with Philip Phillips, and then we were going like straight into this one, um, and then uh, it was like right after South by Southwest and all this stuff. It was just all just back to back. So I mean, we were on tour for I mean, I, you know, <laughs> eight months or something like that. Um, so yeah, so once we got back from Europe, uh, the we were finishing up our full length record with the label. Everything was done. We would already recorded it, and you know we we had recorded some songs out in LA with Brendan O'Brien's, like big rock producer, did like all the Pearl Jam stuff yeah. and like um, he did the Killers too, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, or did Brandon Flowers? I think his solo. Record. Oh, okay. Um, and actually worked with The Frey. That's how I met him. I was working in their studio when he was working with them, and so I got to know him a little bit through that. Okay, Um, that's rad. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, the record was done. Everything was like ready to go, and had all these tours planned and everything. And um, (laughs) try to think of how to navigate this. (laughs) It's not. I mean, when you're in a band with your good friends for a long enough time, just Things dynamically just can be weird. You know, it's like you're living with these people for months at a time. You're, It's like starting a small business with your friends. You're dealing with money. You're dealing with splitting money. You're dealing with being gone from loved ones for months at a time. You're dealing with all of these things. You're having to make decisions together. It's like you're basically on a bus. You're living in a one-bedroom apartment on wheels with, like, seven people in it. So it's like... (laughs) You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of, there can be a lot of tension, you yeah. know? Um, and I just think that the tension and the amount of success and how quickly was difficult for everyone to, to navigate, you know? It's like, it was just too, people just started, like, I know I was drinking a lot and, like, just, and then, uh, Bethany, our, one of, one of the singers was, like, having a hard time with stress and things like that because she she went from being just, like, kind of keyboard player, background singer to, like, the song that we did, she all of a sudden is the face of the band. Yeah, because... Um, so I think that was hard for her and also hard for Tim, the singer, because that was his band and he was his front guy. And then all of a sudden it was just completely swapped you know it's like completely upside down so i just think that everyone in their own way was just like i just i i always feel like bands have like a a lifespan. you never know like how long it is but like that band it felt like that was the you know lifespan yeah even even if we even if we would have stayed together i think it would have been difficult to continue that clip you know <laughs> like yeah. how, how at where it was going i think it would have been difficult without you know some sort of like i don't know outside help of yeah because we just yeah it just felt it just was like there was tension there was just all these things kind of working against the band you know yeah um, and it was pretty quickly after we got back from europe that it all <laughs> imploded like really quickly it was basically like one day like Woke up one day and was like, "That's it. We're canceling."
0: So was it like a group decision, or? Yeah, I mean, it was like personal? kind of
1: a slow. It was a slow thing. It was like, um, you know, some kind of interpersonal turmoil came up, and it was like, okay, well, can we continue this band this way? Yeah. So it was definitely a, that conversation was had, you know, because it was like, well, part of it is like, oh, we owe it to ourselves to like finish, like. At least put the record out. See, yeah. you know, do these
0: tours and these things that we, you know, we're supposed to do. You had just you finished a complete record, didn't you? With with Brendan O'Brien and Ryan Tedder. As, it, uh, and yeah, we were, did.
1: We did one song with Ryan Tedder, and then did like three or four with Brendan O'Brien, and then the rest I produced. Um, that's right. So you like co-produced and produced. yeah, and I had a oh man, makes me so angry still. <laughs> but like I had a co-production credit with. Ryan Tedder and Brendan O'Brien was like, this, so for me as a producer, it'd be great for it to come out. You know, it'd be yeah. like this is, like, kind of you know, for me personally, it's like well, even outside of the band, just as a producer, it's great for me. Yeah, um,
0: it's it's that big thing on your port, like yeah, it's the big, you know, it's the big thing on your portfolio.
1: Yeah, so. totally. So you know, there yeah, there was all these dis- there was discussions about like, well, should we. Just do this and, like, get through it and then figure it out after we... Because we were just starting to make money. We had all these tour, yeah. Like, we had to cancel the Tonight Show. We had to cancel Good Morning America. We canceled the One Republic Tour. <laughs> like, all of the things that are just... And I know every other person in every band that I know is just, was just like, just oh, <laughs> like, so... Like, what is wrong? Like... Because a lot, a lot of people are just like, couldn't you just figure it out? You know, like, couldn't yeah. you just, like... But I, this, it was a thing that I've it's always... It's probably a lot more complicated Oh, yeah, that. totally. Well, and I, and I always have felt like the band was never worth people's lives being destroyed to me. Yeah. And that's where it was headed. So it was just like, it's just not... To me, it just wasn't worth it, you know? Yeah. So I even got to a point where I was just like, all right, guys, if you want to do this, I don't think this is... Cause it was like okay, well, we'll, we'll make this happen, and i and I was just like, I don't see this being healthy or good or anything. Yeah. I was like, how about if we do this, you can just like hire me as a drummer,
0: but I'm out of the yeah. band because I don't want to be tied to that. Um, so it could have been kind of like a Guns N' Roses type of thing. Where, <laughs> like, what is yeah, that? I don't know what that type. Well, of thing it is. like, like turns into one, one person yeah. is kind of steering the ship yeah. instead of like a band. At that point, it's yeah. like. One like Axl Rose kind of took over the Guns N' Roses yeah. name, but everybody really knew it wasn't Guns N' Roses, but yeah. he still used the name and made albums, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we
1: I think it was just like, well, we'll like we'll go through these things that we have to, you know, that we committed to do and like make some money and all this stuff, but um, but I was like, great, I'll do that, but just like pay me to be your drummer and producer because i don't want to be a part of this what i felt like was a really unhealthy situation that i think in order for people to be okay just needed to be just needed to be away from each other you know it's like in that in that situation like touring all together and being together all the time and like that's what created the you know the like turmoil to begin with so i just I, i just felt like it was kind of the end of the road you know yeah um so after that after i had that conversation with them the rest of the band kind of decided yeah it's probably i can't do this you know so and then it was just that was it
0: had to you know can- cancel all they the didn't. stuff that we had just like were you guys in europe when that happened no no we were home for like
1: a week or two or something like that um yeah so it was we had just got back from europe we just hired a new manager because we fired our manager before we went to Europe because it was tough because she was a, she's a good friend of ours um, and we really wanted it to be like somebody that could grow with us as a manager because she didn't have a lot of this big label experience. It just kind of all happened so fast that we just couldn't. Keep her on anymore, yeah. Just because she had never done it, and it was just happening too fast for her to learn on the job, yeah. Um, so we fired her right before we went to Europe. So while we were in Europe, I kind of had to be our manager because we didn't have one. <laughs> and we had um, all basically every like major management company would fly out and like take us out and schmooze and like, oh, hey, whatever. you know, like everyone so it you know the europe trip was so funny because it was like we're kind of managing ourselves these all these people were coming out and schmoozing us we're playing sold-out arenas i think it's just like messes with your head if you go from like a normal band that's touring around and having fun and playing music to that overnight it's just like it was like
0: zero to hundred. i
1: was like what it's like yeah it's i think it i you know i think everyone is kind of effects in some way, you yeah. know. It's like whoa. It doesn't feel real, you know. Yeah. But yeah, we'd finally settled on a manager, hired a manager, you know, flew back, hired a new tour manager that he was a friend of mine, kind of went out on a limb. And he basically kind of quit another gig that he had to like, all right, be our guy. He ended up never even doing a show with us cuz like <laughs> we broke up before we did any shows. Um Yeah, and just like turned down all these people in the industry. And then the label that we were on, actually, right after that happened, they, it was like a joint venture with uh, Interscope. And they sold their half back to Interscope. So then all of a sudden the label didn't even exist. (laughs) We had this record that we made that we couldn't put out. And yeah, it was just like everything was upside down.
0: It's crazy, and it all happened in that like, short amount of time. Yeah,
1: like so, my girlfriend at the time, which I live with her now. Thank goodness I held on to that one. But <laughs> uh, we had just kind of started dating while I was on tour in Europe, like kind of talking back and forth or whatever. Had a, I had an apartment, but we, like we weren't really making money, so I, like I didn't sign a new lease. And I was like, "Well, we're on tour for the next year. I'll just like figure it out. I'm home." for was supposed to be a week um and then gone forever and she's like oh you can, you can stay with me during during this week and whatever and i was like okay cool and like 2 days into that week was like surprise i'm homeless and don't have a job anymore <laughs> like the band broke up i'm not going back on tour and you know yeah so it was just like i mean it was that quick yeah you know i was like we weren't making money as a band yet because you know those big tours my pink tour cost us $125,000. So, and we weren't making that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the labels like help pay for that stuff. And, um, yeah. So it was just like, we went from everything right there for us. Like that was it, you know, Yeah. we were doing it.
0: I remember when I found out, I, I didn't believe it. I don't remember. I, I think it was at a show or something. And I, I heard that Nerf heard Nerf, the local DJ, that you guys broke up, and I was like, "Oh, that's not true. There's no way that's true. There's no way." And then I went home when I was like, like looking it up online, and there was nothing. And then like week after that, there was like nothing. And I was like, "Yeah, it's just some BS, you know? Like when they say like like Jack Nicholson died or something, and he didn't." I was like, "It's just internet BS." Yeah. And then I've I keep searching every day, and then one day one I think it was Reverb that site Reverb oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. one place said you guys broke up, and it was like a really <laughs> small and I think it's still the only thing.
1: Yeah, we de- And even if you go to any of our stuff, it literally is like everyone in the band just disappeared yeah, one day. like, like they just, just
0: you just stopped going on <laughs> Facebook. Yeah, and- just nothing. Didn't have an announcement. Didn't have anything. Yeah, that's why I didn't believe it. I was like, no way. And then that one article.
1: Yeah. Well, because as soon as people heard, they're like, everyone's calling me and emailing me. Like, hey, do you want to talk about it? What do you, do you, want to say anything? And it was like, we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do or like, is, you know, I don't know, I don't know. And we just never said anything to anyone, which is probably a jerk move. I don't know. But like.
0: <laughs> maybe maybe but you I guys are just secretly all going to get back yeah, together.
1: That, I would not, I would not bet on that. but <laughs> um yeah, in and, and it's pretty amazing. I still get people, you know, commenting about you know, how much they love the band love the music and so it's just it's a weird thing to just like uproot a thing like that that people you've never even met before it impacted them, you know. Yeah. I like, guess it's just a weird the American authors guys when I started working with them, their like tour manager, I would <laughs> I'd go back into the you know, he's working on something, and I'm go to ask him something. He's like blaring of Churchill on his computer. He's like, <laughs> "Oh," <sorry. laughs> you know, like, you know, genuinely, people, even the the guys in the band are still just like, man, they're like best record that never came out because <laughs> cause I gave it to them. Um, but yeah, it's just weird to, to like have something that I felt was so good that had so much success just disappear, and then we all, for some reason, just like. Pretended like it didn't happen, you yeah. know? It's like...
0: I mean, that's what it seemed like. I remember...
1: Hey, anyone did, know anyone? Did they break <laughs> up? Like, what's,
0: what's going on yeah. here? Yeah, I don't think I ever
1: yeah. got to that. When it's interesting, after that whole thing, too, it's like Tyler, the bass player, moved to Chicago. Um, Bethany stopped doing music, as far as I could tell. Um, Tim, the singer, went to Nashville. Um, Mike went with his wife to... Um, to... Italy to like teach English, and so I was the only one that kept doing music in Denver. And it's such a weird, like, man, must have been at least a year of like, that's all anyone wanted to talk to me about. It's getting better now, yeah. Uh, But that's like, any like anyone that saw me, that's all anyone wanted to talk about. So it's just kind of but fighting through that and getting kind of to the other side of it and now what's what I feel great about now is I have less people coming to me about what I did with Churchill and more about what I'm doing now with other bands so it's yeah. like I feel like I kind of fought through that like that weird wall of like being known as like the band that messed it up you know the band that like <laughs> let it get away from them like that's what everyone yeah. thinks it's like how could you do that what's wrong with you yeah <laughs> cuz yeah cuz everyone's like what you just he just threw in the towel. Yeah, just like just, that. yeah, exactly. That's what everyone. You couldn't just make it work, man. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's like, "Well, you should have just, you know, should have
0: stuck it out and hated each other." For yeah, this,
1: no, it's like. great. I mean, <laughs> even the label was. You know, I remember one time one of the guys called me and was like, "Man, just imagine if you could just like figure out a way to make this work. That'd be a great story." It's like it's in, it's people's lives. You know, it's not like
0: it's not a story. Yeah. It's not a headline. Yeah. But right after that happened, were you? Did you jump right back into music, or were you, like, um, done with music?
1: No, that? I mean, music, for me, has been the only thing that I've really, like... It's really come naturally and been able to do. Like, any other normal job I've had has been a, just a complete disaster. So, it's like, I, you know, I don't... I think I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do, but um, pretty soon... I mean, I started working in the kitchen of a coffee shop because I was like, I need, some, I need a, something. Um, and while I was doing that um, is actually when um, a buddy of mine manage, manages Meese and is, manages a bunch of different bands. Uh, he called me about a band that he had that needed a sound guy. And he called me because I used to, you know, I ran sound for Mies forever ago. Um, and it was the American Authors. And it was right when they were, Like taken off. So I actually just jumped right into that. Um, And it went from like, hey, just kind of do some touring to like, was out for them for six months straight. And then they were like, and the next six months is booked. So, you know, it like jumped pretty quickly into that world. Uh, But I realized pretty quickly, I didn't want to be a full time front of house engineer. So after about six months, I quit uh, touring with them. And while I was touring with them, I would just, like, buy gear. And, like, because I was making quite a bit more money. Because Churchill, I never made money. Because <laughs> so, it was, like, all investment, you know? Yeah. um But uh, I, yeah, so I would just buy gear and have it shipped to my house in, or the, my girlfriend's house in Denver. Um, and knowing that it was kind of, like, there was a time limit on that, that I didn't really want to do that forever. And just thinking like, oh, I, I think I'd like to kind of build a studio or like have enough gear to make records. It's yeah. not just a microphone and a laptop. Because I'd been using the phrase studio for so long because I worked there. So yeah. I was like, okay, I need some more gear. So I had it all shipped to my girlfriend's house. And then, at you know, when the, the timing seemed right to me, I was just like, I can't I think, do this anymore.
0: I think that was around the time I started hitting you up about Producing, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You hit me up like before I went on tour with them, and then we worked together after I got back, right?
0: Yeah, because I know I hit you up before, and you were like, "I'm going on tour." Sorry, I don't know when I'm going to be back. And I was like, "Cool." We we still weren't like ready. I remember, and then it it like came to a point where I was like, "I think we're ready to like make a record," but I know Joe's on tour, and I remember I just hit you up, and I was like, "Hey, man, I know you're gone, but." Other than your studio and you as a producer, like where would you recommend going? And you were like, actually, man, (laughs) I'm gonna be home next week or something like that, and we should talk about this. Oh yeah,
1: that was actually probably right when I quit too. I was like, okay, it was one of those like, okay, I think I have enough gear to actually do, you know, to do something.
0: Yeah, and I remember I was like, I was going hiking or something, and so I was like, wasn't getting reception. And I was like driving, up. I wasn't driving, but I was riding along like in this email thread and then I saw you say that and I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> yes. I was like so stoked about it. And then, yeah, we met up and talked about it and we made our first EP with you. Yes, yeah. that was mad. a
1: lot of fun. And that was yeah. like before I had a space, so we were like kind of doing it at the house and then at the ca- that cab, cabin. cabin. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then, so then after that... I think I just, it's funny because it goes in these like waves, you know? It's like I was um, producing for a bit, but then, or at first it was like, you know, touring with Mies for a while. Then I was producing for a bit and then toured with Churchill for a while. Then came back and, you know, it's like it goes in these waves of like produce and record for a bit, tour for a bit, produce for a bit, do sound. Like I just kind of, and it's normally just kind of what, comes up, you know? Yeah. Just kind of say yes to whatever <laughs> comes up, you know? Say yes to
0: the universe, Yeah. Yeah, because so,
1: after working with you guys, it was, like, producing for a while, and then now I'm back into with playing with the band and hopefully, you know, touring and going back into that cycle again.
0: Yeah, but, like, slowly building your powers. <laughs> My powers, I'm yeah. getting strong. Yeah, if
1: I would have done... If I would have just been a producer all these years, I'd probably be a better producer, but I wouldn't know how to do sound or, like, play very well. You know what I'm saying? It's, like... Trying to even, I'm trying to even those skills out.
0: Your like tool belt that you have that makes you really good at producing. Cause you, you understand how the live performance aspect of things is going to go. And then you also understand like being in the studio. Cause I know there's been a couple songs where we're like, yeah, that's cool. But how are we going to do that live? Oh, yeah. And you're like, well, Right now we're just focusing on being in the studio. That
1: was we I will always remember Brendan. We we said the same thing to Brendan O'Brien when we were working with him. It's like how are we gonna do this live? He's like, I'm sorry, do you want me to make it sound bad? (laughs) Like, no, I don't want you to make it sound bad. I just don't know. It's like they're two different worlds, you know? Um, and I've definitely learned that by doing all of it, you know. And it and it definitely helps me to to have been on both ends of like at a live show. I've been on stage, I've sound. I know how to interact with everyone because I've been on both sides of that. In the studio, I've been the the musician, I've been the engineer, I've been the, the producer. So having all of those experiences kind of helps to, you know, like meet people where they're at. You know, it's yeah. like if there's a front house engineer and I'm playing a show, it's like I know how to talk to him because I know I've been there. You know, I've been there before. So it definitely helps to be able to do all of it. Yeah, you know, or even like when if I'm playing with a band and I show up to a show, I like know how to talk to like the production manager and do
0: all of the because I've done, I've played big shows and I've worked big shows, so it helps. Yeah, is there a song that inspired you to be a producer, or is there a song that ins- just inspired you in general? Huh. Oh
1: boy, you put me on the spot. Um, so
0: my favorite
1: band. Is Elbow. They're like okay. a British I don't even know what you like. In in London, they're like radio band, playing like Wembley and stuff. Um, yeah. they come here and like nobody knows. They're going anybody. on
0: tour with somebody big, I just saw.
1: Oh really? Uh, um,
0: I can't remember yeah. what
1: it is, but, but um, yeah, so like early on there I they were like before I started doing this like as a living, they were kind of they, and they might be the only band that I like go back and just like listen to, and I and I really enjoy it. Um, and uh, there's a record that they did um, called "Leaders of the Free World," and this is like I think it's like 2008 or something like that. So it was kind of around the time I was touring with Nice and doing the technical side of things. I wasn't really producing. I wasn't doing all of that stuff. But um, that's a that's a record that I always go back to, um, and will listen to a lot uh i'm trying to think i think the i mean the song leaders of the free world off of that record is a great example of just like the production is really cool the songs are really cool um and it's funny that now it's come back to be a very topical (laughs) topical uh song so um yeah it's just something that i that record and that song specifically is something i always kind of go back to as um, inspiration with production and just inspiration of just a band that I can actually listen to and enjoy and not nitpick it to death, you
0: know. That's <laughs> rad. What would be your advice to a a young person or just anybody getting into being a producer a producer specifically or just um yeah i mean i guess anything engineer producer mm. um like the path of yeah deciding you want to do that or
1: yeah well i think i uh, I heard something recently that i've that i've really kind of adopted and it's been a thing that um i have kind of inadvertently lived by but um Somebody told me recently it's like if you have a plan B, then you'll never go as hard for your plan a yeah, <laughs> if you actually totally. have a plan b i'm not saying don't have a plan b i'm just saying that like if this is something you really want to do it's gonna be difficult and you're gonna there's gonna be times where you're gonna want to quit or you're gonna want to do something else. It's like you know what I mean so many times it's like man my life there's a lot of things in my life that would be a lot easier if I just got a normal job and like made some money and had some stability. Um, but if this is something you really want to do, I think just being in situations where you can say yes to things helps a lot. And, and sometimes those things will be working for free for a band that has potential that you feel like has potential, um, that could someday, you know, be something that could be your career or, you know, maybe that's going on tour for a while when you're not sure what you're, what kind of situations are going on or whatever. But um, yeah, I just think, I don't know, it. it, being in a situation where you can say yes to as many possible things in that realm, I think helps a lot. And I think just go after it with everything you got. Don't like, it's just really hard to be like, well, I got, if if this doesn't work out, I'll just go work. I'll be an account. Yeah, or whatever. You know, it's like, well, if that's always in the back of your head, I think you're, because Internet. with music and producing and all of these all of these things it's like you're never going to find a company to hire you to yeah. and with give you benefits and all of this stuff you know it's like you are starting a small business yourself yeah. and it's going to and it's extremely difficult and there's a lot of ups and downs but um
0: i think it's worth it yeah yeah i mean you have to find your own way basically so. yeah
1: and a lot of it's going to be free work and stuff you don't want to yeah. do or you know um going on tour for a while or you know just making it happen
0: all well, right I'm in um thanks for talking to me cool yeah I appreciate it man uh yeah. um, thanks for having man. me thanks dude you me,
1: honey, nothing to say so put your
0: sorrows in a box for a rainy day you put the box in the cupboard where you put your shoes when you come around here don't speak my name all right there it is our very first podcast I would like to thank Joe Richmond for coming on and being our very first guest. Keep an eye out in the next couple of days. I'm going to release a playlist of the top tracks that inspired Joe as a musician-producer. And if you all like this, please share with your friends, subscribe, and stay tuned for more to come. Thank you. Take it easy.